0: Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Claude, for this uh, opportunity to serve this morning. As I was preparing this message on evangelism, I felt the Holy Spirit drop in my mind to share my testimony, but I wasn't sure because I was saying God the topic, the subject is evangelism. So how does it tie in with this testimony? But it just stayed on my spirit. And as Ivan came here to start to lead us into praise and worship together with the, with the team, he said something, sort of confirmed in my, in my spirit, that I have to share my testimony because the word of God says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And when you said after, pray, after prayer there is praise, and those two are linked together, and it gives life—it's something just came alive in my spirit. A few years ago, I went through a really difficult season in my life. Uh, my mom, who was a prayer warrior, who was an intercessor, she suddenly passed away unexpectedly at the young age of 62. So that really took the wind out of my sails. It really knocked me down because this was the woman who raised me. This was the woman who led me to the Lord. She prayed for me. She fought for me. And I think to a certain extent... I'm beginning to seek the Lord more in prayer now. But during that time, when she was still alive, I slackened a bit because I knew without a shadow of doubt that this woman, wherever she is, she's praying for me, she's interceding for me. So when she passed away, that was really difficult for me. And then during that season, I think the past, Pastor Claude understands why each time we go on missions trip, I always ask you for that CD from Living Grace, you know, it says to the king. I was going through a difficult time that sometimes even praying, if I'm being honest, was really hard, was really difficult. But I will just put on that CD, which is based on the Word of God. I know they prayed before they released it. And I will just feel revived. Even going to work, I will put it and play it in my car. And by the time I go to work, I had strength. So for that, I just want to... Thank you, living grace. There is a reason why God brings us together. There is a reason why God makes us a family. We are so interconnected in more ways than we understand. So I just wanted to share that testimony. So the topic is on evangelism, I will open by prayer. Father God, I glorify your name. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you come and take control. I pray that you come and take over, oh Lord. Your word says in our own strength we can do nothing, oh Father. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, oh Lord. I thank you, Father, this morning for the gift of life, oh Lord. I thank you for salvation, oh Lord. I thank you, oh Father, that you didn't consider it robbery, oh Father. But you came down, oh Father. You took the form of a man, Lord. And you hung on the cross because you loved us, oh Lord. Because you so loved us that no one should perish, oh Lord. But that we should all have everlasting life, oh Lord. I glorify your name, O oh Lord. I lift your name, O oh Lord. You are the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I glorify your name. Take control, oh Father. Speak to your people, Lord. Speak to us. Speak to me. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If I'm going to tie to my message this morning, it's are you a witness for Christ? Are you a witness for Christ? Christianity can be summed up as knowing Christ and making him known to other people. These two go hand in hand. Unfortunately, I think we just have the first part. We know Christ, but how much are we really making him known to other people? You cannot have a full picture of evangelism if you neglect the second part. You know Christ, and then you make him known to other people. Amen. So I would like to draw our attention to the first and the last commandments of Jesus to his disciples. I would also like to draw your attention to the final instructions that Paul gave to Timothy as he was about to die. In the, first, in the book of Matthew, verse 4, we meet Jesus as he is about to meet some of his first disciples. It says that he said to them, to the first disciples, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. First, you follow me. And then afterwards, the second part, I will make you fishers of men. Amen. And notice that they were already busy. They were already engaged. They they had daily living. They were fishermen. They were people whose life was already occupied. It's not as if they were not doing anything. They were fishermen by trade. And then in the second instance, we see well, at the end of the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 28, we have what is called the Great Commission. If we can have Matthew 28 on the screen, please. Matthew 28, from verses 18 to 20. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Thank you, Jesus. We know about the Great Commission, we talk about the Great Commission, but my question is, are we actually carrying out the commandment? It's one thing to know about it, it's one thing to recite it, but we are supposed to actually carry it out, amen. It says that, from verse 18, after his uh, resurrection, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age i just want to draw your attention to two things First things, the first time when he met them, he asked them to follow him. And when he was about to ascend, he told them again that now that you've followed me, I have done my part. Now I'm giving you an assignment. This is what I want you to do. So there is a relationship between them being called and Jesus giving them the assignment, which is the Great Commission. And then I'll draw your attention to... Uh, the Apostle Paul, in the book, you don't have to go there, but it's found in the book of Second Timothy, uh, verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 5, Paul is giving his instruction to Timothy. He also goes on to say that I know that I'm about to be poured out. I know that I'm about to die, but these are some of my final instructions. In that chapter, he's also warning him, telling him that in the last days, and we are in the last and last days, many will depart from the faith. Many will depart from the truth. And then he goes to saying, but you... Amongst other things, be diligent. Do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. He has taught him so many things. Timothy has seen, you know, the Apostle Paul perform signs and wonders and miracles. But one of his final instructions to him was, Do the work of an evangelist. Doing the work of an evangelist is different from, you know, performing or functioning under the gift of evangelism when we're talking about the fivefold ministry. Doing the work of an evangelist is for every believer. It's for all of us. So you cannot count yourself and say, I do not have the gift of evangelism. This is not my office. It's for all of us this morning. Amen. And a few days later, in the book of Acts, we are now studying as a church, the book of Acts. You remember that in uh, in chapter 1, as he he is about to ascend, he reminds them again of this assignment. But in verse 6, it still hasn't sunk into them because they are now asking him, Jesus, we've seen you do everything you you died you resurrected so with this power that you have are you now going to restore the kingdom of israel they were still earth focused it still hasn't clicked their mind they'd forgotten that he had told me that when i come to do my assignment the next stage is for you to go out into the, all the world and be my disciples and be fishers of men and be soul winners. And then he answered to them that it isn't for you to know the times and the seasons when God is going to take care of all this that is happening on earth. but. It isn't for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he is reminding them of the assignment that, yes, in the natural, just like our season now, things are not okay. Politically there is chaos, things are not okay. We've got coronavirus, things are not okay. People are discouraged, things are just not right. The system is broken. And many of us are asking and we're praying, God come and fix it. But he's, he's redirecting you this morning that you are on assignment. Yes, pray for this political situation. Yes, pray for your land. Yes, I'll push I'll push back the darkness. But remember that you are on assignment. So I just want to encourage you this morning that, living grace, you are on assignment. Things may not be going well personally in your own life. Things may not be going well in your family, in our our communities. But remember that you are on assignment. There is a second part of evangelism which you are supposed to be doing. Do the work of an evangelist make disciples. The vision of this church is making disciples. There is a reason why it was given to live in grace. It's not just to light it up there and make it beautiful. It's for a reminder that we are here to be serviced, to be fed to the word of God so that we go out there and make disciples. Amen. I think we all know that we are living in the, in the end times. The Bible tells us that we are Christ's ambassadors. We are the representatives of Christ. We are soul winners. We are supposed to be making Christ known to other people who don't know them. We are called watchmen. When we are walking around every day doing our business, when we interact with people, when we see them, we're supposed to be watching and examining ourselves. Do these people really know God? Do these people know that salvation was bought for them by the blood of Jesus Christ? We should know that without Jesus, There is no eternal life. These are the thoughts that we are supposed to be having as we go about our daily business. It should be. We should have that eternal focus. It says that one day, Jesus, when he was still walking on earth, he looked around at the masses. He looked around at the people. And he said that they looked helpless, like they didn't have a shepherd. And he went on to say that the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. So I'm just wondering that when Jesus, when God, where he is right now, seated at the right hand of the father, When he looks around on earth and when he sees people, is he coming to the same conclusion as well? That the harvest now more than ever is ready, it's plentiful, but the lepers are fewer. The lepers are indeed fewer if we are not performing our assignment out there, outside the church walls. So my message this morning is to encourage us, Let us do the work of an evangelist. Let us share our hope, our faith with other people who do not have Jesus Christ. Amen. As I was preparing this message again, I read about this story of an American evangelist who was sold out for God. I forget his name. One day he was waiting to minister. He was in a hotel, there was a conference or something. He was in the hotel lobby. So, He was sitting next to a woman, but because he lived with an eternity focus, he just felt led to share the gospel with this woman who was sitting next to her. So he started sharing the message, the gospel. He started sharing salvation with her. This woman started crying, and she didn't give her life to Christ then. But then this evangelist said, okay, and then he walked away. And then this husband came, said, what did that man say to you? Because you are crying, you are upset. And then this woman told me, ah, he was evangelizing me, he was telling me about Jesus. And then the man was angry, said, he should mind his business, he shouldn't have said that. And this woman looked at her, something had happened to her spirit. She had received the message of grace, of salvation. She was being convicted. The Holy Spirit was at work in her. She looked at her husband and said, he was minding his business. Because the way this man spoke to me, he spoke it without conviction, with such power, with such authority. Like that was the natural thing for him to do. He was minding his business. By evangelizing other people, we are minding our business. I know sometimes it feels uncomfortable, but we have to work through that discomfort because it's a matter of life and death. Amen. And God expects more f- for, from us after salvation. We do not stop at the door of salvation. The, it's more than just attending church. I just felt the Holy Spirit drop in my, in my spirit as well that in some ways, The church is supposed to function like a pit stop. You know those who follow motor car racing, you know how they do their laps and then they go to this other place and then people jumps out. People jump out in overalls, they start changing. The church is supposed to function like a pit stop, where we run the race out there. We run the race and then we come here, inside this building, and we receive the word. We get built up, we get strengthened, everything which is not right, which is broken, is fixed. So that by the time we leave this door, we are ready to continue to run the race out there. It's supposed to function like a pit stop, but it's not the end, it's not the destination. Amen. Otherwise, everything just coming to church just becomes an act of religion. Otherwise, we are not different than any other religions that we say they do not have the power or this Holy Spirit at work in them. Amen. And and witnessing and soul winning—it's something which is supposed to happen predominantly outside. Yes, we can do altar call. Yes, we can do uh, preach the message of salvation here. And people have come through these doors not knowing God, and they have found God. They have found salvation in, inside the church walls. But predominantly, salvation is supposed to occur outside the four buildings because we are called the sheep and the pastor is the shepherd. It is not the job of the shepherd to bring lambs. It is the job of the sheep to go out there and come with the lambs, and then they can be shepherded. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And we should live with eternity in focus. This world is not our home. Yes, it's broken. Yes, we cannot fix it. Yes, we can pray for God to move, but ultimately it's going to be destroyed anyway. Amen. So we cannot live and put everything that we have, all our strength in this way in this world, because it it is temporary. One day it's going to be destroyed. We should live with eternity in focus. Remember, Jesus redirected the disciples when they wanted him to fix what was broken politically in their land. He redirected them to say, this is your assignment. Go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Amen. We are kind of doing the same as well. God fixed this it's not okay. God fix this politically. It's not okay. God fix this socially. God fix these moral issues. We should continue to pray and God will continue to move. But ultimately, this is not our assignment. Amen. One day you will fix everything, but not now. Our job is to preach The message of salvation. We need to get our priorities right. It's about salvation. It's about souls. Paul says when he's talking to one of the churches, when I was with you, I was determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said that was my main message when I was with you. I forsake everything that I was. All my skills, all my knowledge, all my pedigree, I lay it down and I put on Christ and I am running with this assignment. When I am with you, I am determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the message which is life-giving. When we look at that cross it should jolt our memories that this is what is all about. That two thousand years ago someone actually was hung on that cross so that humanity will be saved. That is what it's all about. That is what church is all about. That cross and that lighting, each time we look at them, they should be symbolic. They should be reminders of why we're coming here in church. We come here like a pit stop to be equipped so that whatever is fixed, whatever is broken is fixed, so that when we are feeling weary or tired, we're encouraged, strengthened, we leave the door and we carry the message of the cross. Amen. We hear in John 3 verse 16 that for God so loved the world, the world, the world is everyone. I'm not one for the gospel of election. I'm not um, embarrassed to admit that because the the word says, for God so loved the world is everyone, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever is anyone, believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the good news. That is the gospel. that is what people outside there need to hear. That for God so loved them. The pastor reminded us this morning that God wants me to tell you that you are loved. He's reaffirming that love in John 3, verse 16. And he's already demonstrated how much he loved us. It goes on to say that he, he, he didn't spare his own begotten son. He laughed at that much that he didn't spare Jesus Christ. He gave him up for us to die on the cross. There is no greater love love than that. The message of the cross is the expression of the greatest love of all. People talk about love, but there is no greater expression than the finished work of the cross. Thank you, Jesus. We need to hear this message. The gospel needs to be shared. Paul says the gospel is the the a shared gospel the gospel is power of god unto salvation but it only has power when it is shared it doesn't have that power. That power is not released if we are keeping that message to ourselves. That message has to come out. We share the gospel and then the Holy Spirit does the rest. He is the one who convicts people of sin. He is the one who, pre- who prepares their hearts. He is the one who comes to re- reside in their spirits and then they become saved and born again. But we have to, say, we have to share that message and um, uh, an unshared gospel Th- this is what Reynard bonke used to say he says an unshared gospel is like a man who is sick unto death in his die- in his deathbed and next to him in the bedside table in the bedside table is this potent medication powerful medication, but it's still sealed, it's still in the container. The man is lying there, is lying there in the bed, dying, but the medicine is right next to him. So unless that medicine is opened, unless it comes from the container inside that man, that man will ultimately die. So we have the message, we have the gospel, we need to let it out, otherwise people will die. It is only when the gospel is shared that it has got the power to bring about salvation. Amen. And the gospel message is a matter of life and death. According to First John 5 verse 12, it says, He who has the Son has got life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And God wants men, all men everywhere, to repent and be saved. People are discouraged and hopeless right now. They're unsure about the future, but it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have to share that hope with them that there is hope, that there is hope that Jesus Christ, who died for you, if you accept him into your spirit, he will come and dwell with you, and you will have this gift of eternal life. You will have this hope that even if you cannot fix what you are dealing right now, but you've got eternal hope like a spring, inside of you. We have the ministry of reconciliation. By sharing the gospel, Like just like Paul says, it's like we're pleading to men and saying, be reconciled to God. There is a holy and a just God who wants to have a relationship with you, who wants to save your soul. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Let function under that ministry. If you're asking that I don't know what my calling is, what my gift is, There is your ministry. You've been called to the Ministry of Reconciliation. And God wants us to warn people about hell. It is a real place. It is a real place for those who deny Jesus Christ. For those who deny the finished work of the cross, they go to hell. Jesus Christ spoke about hell more than anyone in the Bible. If, you, if, if it is a subject that is not supposed to be spoken about, he wouldn't have touched it. But he spoke, the difference is, one, he was warning them, and two, he wanted them to know why he came to earth, so that he will save them, so that they don't go there. But more importantly as well, it has, it, we are giving this warning out of love. So we need wisdom, we need grace to warn people that if you deny the Son of God, if you deny the finished work of the cross, there is a place called hell. But we have to do it in love, in grace, and in wisdom. Amen. So how should we proceed? I think we have to start by examining ourselves as individuals, are we saved for real? Are we saved for real? If tomorrow is not assured, we woke up this morning, we're here in church, we're alive, we're breathing is by the grace of God, each chap from the time we were born, before we were born, God already knew us. In the book of Ephesians, it said we're already predestined. So before we even begin living one day, God already numbers the days of our lives. He already knows when we are going to die. But we don't know when that day is. That's why we have to be ready at all times. That's why I'm encouraging you this morning that examine yourself. Are you saved for real? Have you accepted Jesus? Have you accepted the finished work of the cross? Do you know for sure that you are saved? Do you have assurance of salvation? Assurance of salvation is a spiritual act. It has nothing to do with your feelings. We do not always feel saved. But in our spirit, we have that assuring from that deep place that I am really saved. That I know that without a shadow of doubt, if I am to drop here on this platform, I know that I'll be translated into the next kingdom. I know that if I am to drop right here and die, I'll be absent in this body, but I'll be present with the Lord. You need to have that assurance as you are sitting here this morning that you know without a shadow of doubt that if you were to drop dead you know where you're going that you know that you'll be with your lord with your medica to spend eternity with him so i would like you to examine yourself am i saved for real and paul says examine yourself and see if you are in the faith He was talking to christians He was telling them examine yourself be sure that you are sure without a shred of doubt that you've got this thing Right. Attending church doesn't save you. Serving, ministering in church, it doesn't save you. It's only when you have received Jesus Christ that you are saved. It's only when your name is written in the book of life that you know that when that book is written, you are confident your name is going to be found. Amen. And we have to know the gospel in order to share it. John 3 verse 16, it sums it up. We all know that sometimes I think we just complicate things. John 3 verse 16 sums it up. The word of God also says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You are a witness. A witness testifies of what they saw and what they know. You know that you've been saved. Testify how you were saved. Share that with people. That is called witnessing. Amen. And in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4, it talks about the gospel. It explains the gospel. It talks about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ those are the simple basic things that we should know about and that we should share to people with the holy spirit he takes over he does the rest the holy that's why jesus says you will receive the holy spirit and then you will go we have the holy spirit not just in us but as outpouring as well so we've got that grace to go there and share the gospel and the holy spirit will do the rest amen thank you, Jesus. Paul goes on to say that the love of Christ compels me. He says, the reason why I am sharing the gospel, the reason why I am pleading with you to say, be reconciled with God, the reason I'm saying, examine yourself and see whether in the, you are in the faith. The reason why I'm concerned about your, the salvation of your soul is because the love of Christ compels me. We are told in the book of Romans that the, through the Holy Spirit, the love of God has been shared abundantly in our hearts. So it means this morning, each and every one of us, we have that love in us. It should compel us enough to be able to share the gospel with people out there who otherwise may die without knowing that Jesus Christ paid a price for them so that they will not perish, but so that they will have an everlasting relationship with God. It's just supposed to be like Jeremiah. He said, this weight which is in me, I cannot contain it. It's just like fire shut up in my bones. This message of the cross, this gospel message, this good news, if it is powered and fired up by the Holy Spirit, we shouldn't be able to contain it as well. We shouldn't be able to contain it. If we're able to see comfortably and not feel that edge to share it out with the other people, we should examine ourselves. It's supposed to be like fire. Shut up in our spirits. We're supposed to look at people and feel that need to share the gospel with them. God bless you, living grace. In conclusion, I said before that I wouldn't have done justice to this message if I talk about the good news, but then not ask you to examine yourself as you are sitting right there. I asked you to examine yourself. Do you have that assurance in your spirit that if anything were to happen to you right now or today, you know that you will be translated from this body? Physically and spiritually, you'll be with your Maker forevermore. They will come to your funeral. Yes, they will do everything. But you, already be with, you already be with your Maker, even as it says in the Word of God, that to be absent, to be absent in this body, is to be present in the Spirit with the Lord. I would like you to examine yourself. Do you have that assurance? Do you know that you are saved? You are born again for real, because if you one, one day you are all going to stand and give an account. He came as a lamb of God, but is coming to judge. You have to know that your name is written in that book of life. Otherwise, it's not enough that I came to church every Sunday, that I came to church and I listened to the message. That's why Jesus warned that on that day some will say, "Lord, didn't we do, do all these things? They were doing great and mighty things in His name. They were in. They thought they were in the kingdom. They were religious. They were coming to church. They were performing all these signs and wonders. Things were happening." In some ways, they were assured that because we're coming, we're performing, we're doing all these works, we've got it figured out. And then Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you, because their names were not written in the Lamb's book of life. You need to have that assurance. He says, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. But first and foremost, you have to know that you are in him in order to follow him. That's why I'm asking you this morning. It doesn't matter how long you've been coming to this church. It doesn't matter whether you're saved or not, because it's not about that. You are not saved by works. You are saved by grace through faith. You are saved because of the finished work of the cross. Examine yourself. Are you saved for real? And if you are not, you have to make it right. Today is the day of salvation but you have to know yourself that you are saved for real. That's why I'm going to ask you, how many people sitting here this morning have got that assurance? Please put your hands that I have that assurance, that I have that assurance. Thank you, Jesus, that I have that assurance. Thank you, Jesus. How many people this side have that assurance that I know I know that if something were to happen, and if you, are, if you didn't raise your hand, I do not want to embarrass you, but I just want to offer and say to you, receive Christ this morning. Receive Christ this morning. That is what it's all about. He so loved you that you didn't consider it robbery to leave all that glory with God, but to hang on that cross and receive all the shame. We are here, we'll pray for you. If you say, that is me, I do not have that confidence. Now I'm talking to those who do not have that confidence. Please raise your hand, we'll pray for you this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Feel free to come and talk to any one of us. If you are ashamed, we will pray with you. We will explain the gospel to you in a loving and kind way. I will ask the praise and worship team to come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Who will hang around. Feel free to come and talk to any one of us. God
1: bless you. Yeah, thanks, Julie. Thanks for that powerful message. Thanks for that reminder with the love and the conviction. I had my head bowed and that, so I don't know if anyone did raise their hand. But if you did raise your hand and you don't have that assurance or confidence, would you come and see me? I'd love to just pray with you and explain a little bit more. It's a simple step. It's a gift, it's a free gift that God gives you. It's got nothing to do with us, and everything to do between you and God. So, that is one of the things we can see. Father, I thank you for this word in season. I pray, Lord, that we would take it to heart, Lord. That, Father God, we would see that the field is out there, the field is abundant. The harvest is plentiful and ready. And Father God, it's lacking the laborers. So firstly, we pray to you that you'd send more laborers. And even with this message, that we'd have a greater awareness to go out and do the Father's business. That Lord Jesus, that you would encourage us to look for the opportunities, see the opportunities, highlight the opportunities that you'd make it so real for us and even as last week we shared that for those who weren't here that to give us some names of people that we need to start praying for and asking for the opportunity praying for them and given give them a call so i pray father god you'd remind us of everything that's been shared and i pray that this world would know you and even this church lord lately i've been asking the questions who knows we're here Do people know that we're here? Do people know that there is a God in this place? Would they be willing to say, or do they know and say,